Hello and welcome to Kestival. This is the podcast which brings on brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. My name's Matt Hoss and I'm the host and I'm here to guide you through their festival. Today's guest is Iceland's biggest stand-up comedian. He has done numerous TV specials and he has his own Netflix special. Please welcome the international star, Ariel Jan. Hey, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's honestly, it's an absolute pleasure to have you, Ari. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. We are in semi-lockdown mode over here in Iceland, <laughs> and uh, I have barricaded myself in my little home office, and this recording might occasionally be interrupted by a screaming two-year-old. <laughs> hey, well, to be fair, we're prone to interruptions. This has been the year of interruptions, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yeah. year of working at home as well. <laughs> Bless. Uh, again, thank you for coming to Castle. It's great to have you on. And uh, so we're going to be talking about music and festivals today. But the question we'd like to start with, Ari, is if someone were to ask you, what kind of music are you into? How do you typically respond to that question? I think like in most circumstances, I would say that I'm into old music. Okay. I always liked that line in The Simpsons where uh, Homer and Barney were listening to like something in the 70s. And grandpa comes over and says, like, what the hell are you listening to? And they're like, it's called rocking out, dad. You wouldn't get it. You're not with it. And grandpa delivers this amazing line. I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it. And what's it seems weird and scary to me. And it'll happen to you. And I find that this applies very much to myself, even when I was a young kid i would still listen to stuff that was like ancient <laughs> and I I, I I i continue to be a bit confused by something that's new and hip and modern and i mm-hmm. and i feel it's more fun to just binge on something older uh, absolutely and also we kind of went over those impressions but that was spot on that was fantastic that was well, thank uh, you <laughs> great impressions like <laughs> wonderful stuff is there any genres that stand out for you or any genres that um in terms of old music do you like or is it just old like 70s or, or what is old is it the 70s 80s uh, 60s what kind of vibe is it i think like the genesis for everything that i like and like the original favorite band i had as a kid that, that was the group kiss Oh. Uh, for some for some weird reason, like uh, I'm born in 1981, but my older brothers are born in 72 and, and 76. So I got like their pass me downs, their hand me downs records. Mm-hmm. So I inherited like the entire Kiss catalog around the time when they thought it was kind of lame. Yeah. Um, and this is like mid 80s. This is when my peers are listening to Michael Jackson, but I'm just like listening to Kiss. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, so I think that might be like my favorite period is like 70s rock. Yes. Oh, I'll tell you what, I've, uh, uh, I also, I got into Kiss as a teenager and uh, I went to see him live in 2010. I went uh, to a gig in Newcastle with my face painted up and it was honestly one of the best shows I went to because it was, they put on a show, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yes. and uh, I think whatever you think about Kiss and there's a lot of opinions to be had, but I think, uh, yeah, they, they, they do put on a show and I like them a lot, so... They do. I saw them in Copenhagen in 2008. One of my saddest memories from childhood was that I missed the show they performed in Iceland. The one <laughs> show they performed in Iceland was in 1988 uh, during like the absolute nadir of their uh, pool. Uh, yeah. It was like a 2000 people show in like a, a horse arena here <laughs> and, uh, and no makeup or no sh- very low budget. Yeah. Still, apparently the band was really tight back then, but uh, I missed that show because I moved to England two weeks prior with my family and 
Yeah. And I just just missed out on them. So I, I rectified this by seeing them in Copenhagen in 2008. Mm-hmm. And I just loved how they hadn't changed any of their yeah. shtick. Like yeah. <laughs> Paul Stanley is still doing the same, like, all right, Copenhagen, you ready to rock? And you could see that he kind of wasn't ready to rock himself. Yeah. <laughs> all the banter, yeah. he's like, he's teetotal, but yeah. he's got a song about drinking uh, booze yeah. called gin. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and the way he uh, relates to the audience before the show, it just... It's like, I heard that some of you would like to drink some alcohol. I'm like, you've never had a drink in your life. <laughs> that's uh, also, talking about impressions, that's an eerie how Paul Stanley talks in the <laughs> game. Are you ready to rock? <laughs> also, if you've never heard Kiss and this is your first impression of them, they sound monstrous, don't they? Hello! <laughs> <laughs> there's a really good i read his autobiography it's a very good chapter where he explains uh his whole uh theory behind relating to the audience by mm-hmm. uh, doing this kind of banter and uh, <laughs> it's very interesting there's actually a lot of thought he's put into it but it seems so quaint and old-fashioned today <laughs> yeah well uh, to be fair when i went to see him it, it did work uh although um i, I remember this bit uh, before we play love gun it goes and then we went, oh yeah, it goes, but now shout Paul Stanley. And we're all like, Paul Stanley. That goes louder, <laughs> Paul Stanley. And now I think about that once a week and I'm like, that is weird actually. Why do you make, why do we do that? <laughs> yeah. what, the, what were the rest of the band thinking? Like, like, yeah, exactly. Like, can we yeah. get a shout out for, you know, Eric? Or like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> do you have front man issues? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that would be like, that was the first band I liked. So I think I always have an affection for that period in time. Awesome. And uh, off air, we were talking about uh, guitars and music. Uh, did you ever want to be a musician? Yes. Uh, my, uh, my late brother, um, he was the old, my oldest brother. He was a great guitarist. He was in many bands and many rock bands and, and uh, a bit of a shredder, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He would... Uh, play a lot of rip-roaring solos. So um, it was in my childhood, for sure. I was exposed to like the the idea that uh, it was fashionable and good to be in a rock band and yeah. especially to be a good guitarist. Today, you kind of don't see guitarists that much around. Today, a band is more likely to be like two people, one of them playing a laptop and the other one kind of noodling on a guitar. Yeah. Back in the 90s, uh, the kind of gold standard for it was that yeah you have to be a really good guitarist and you have to be able to play really complicated stuff live mm-hmm. and um i always was fascinated i always wanted to be like a rock star uh, which uh, yeah i didn't do much to uh <laughs> to achieve that goal but uh i always liked like the romantic side of it the showmanship yeah I, and i think we've talked about this quite a lot um on Castleville, but I think there is a massive link between people who want to do comedy and wanting to be a rock star. Do you know what I mean? And I think it, yes. there's there's a link there for sure. And I think oh, definitely all comedians want to be the front man of that band as well. Do you know what I mean? I wish I could be a I wish I could like crowd surf after a comedy gig. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of thing <laughs> I want to do. And I've tried it before, but people have asked me to stop. So uh, yeah, yeah, and also like uh, 
after the gig, you could like throw out your set lists like sweatbands, you know. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, like, yeah, here's the the pigeon joke. There you go. Whoa, yeah. that's, that's it. Like, <laughs> instead of throwing drumsticks out, you can just throw like your your monkey glass of water that you use throughout the show. You can just throw that exactly. Out. Yeah. You mean uh, that's like oh, since you mentioned the drumstick, um, a, a friend of mine, her dad, he went to see Led Zeppelin in Reykjavik in 1970. And he caught one of John <gasps> Bonham's drumsticks. Are you joking? Oh no. my god! Uh, he basically did, he lunged into the air to grab it, and then like twenty hippies jumped on him, tried to catch it, and then he just cr- crouched like with it and uh, preserved it. Yeah, and he still has it to this day uh, in his <sighs> attic. Um, or that that would be my pride of furniture, and my I would like other people ask me to move it, but no, it's staying in the living room. It's going to be our, instead of a TV, we have a drumstick which we'll watch there for an hour. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I'm not I'm not a lot of fun off this podcast, Ari. But uh, um, but yeah. So uh, have you been to many festivals in your time? No, not really. Um, the few festivals I've been to back in the day, um, most of them have been here mm-hmm. uh, in Iceland. Mainly been to the Iceland Airways Festival, and uh, also the Roskilde Festival in Denmark. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like uh, that's like the kind of biggest festival. I've never been to those huge ones, Glastonbury, mm-hmm. Reading, or that stuff. Yeah, but I am I'm kind of familiar with the concept. <laughs> but, <laughs> I always struggle a bit at these festivals with accommodation. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Are you not a fan of camping? Not a big fan, no. <laughs> I remember so, when I went to Roskilde in 2001, my brother's band was playing their Apparat Organ Quartet, mm-hmm. a brilliant band, which is still going to this day. You should check them out. Absolutely. Uh, it's, yeah. it's like four organ players and a drummer. Uh, it's it's a rock band. That's awesome. One of the members was the, was the late Johan Johansson, a film composer who was mm-hmm. uh, would later be uh, nominated for an Oscar for The Theory of Everything and... Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it was Sicario as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that band, they were playing on a Sunday, but I didn't have anywhere to stay. I went there on a Saturday and it was raining and and I had basically not prepared. I didn't have a tent or anything. So I just took the train back to Copenhagen uh, oh, during the night and I fell asleep and I missed my missed my stop. And, oh, uh, no. Woke up at some train depot and uh, had to pry my way out of the carriage. I was alone. And then I finally made it to my uh, peasant house in Copenhagen and he said well you know your brother's band is starting in half an hour where have you been oh I, I went to sleep in a train okay I'll drive you so he just drove me back to Roskilde and um, I, I barely made the show but I but I did manage to see the show it was oh, fantastic like that's so stressful but like you know I, like what's what's a festival without sleeping on a train hey you know I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's you hit the vibe with the festival really nicely um yeah I, I was basically going to spare myself the pain of sleeping in a tent but I, I <laughs> opted for something much worse yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds like a modern day fable do you know what I mean that that festival also uh that was like uh, I had just finished school and I was I was really broke when I went to that festival I, I had literally no money and I was in like Denmark. So mm-hmm. I was on foreign soil and completely broke. And they had this cleanup thing. If you could, if you would like pick up 17 empty plastic glasses and hand yes. them in, you can get like one free beer. Mm-hmm. So that was just basically what me and my friend did because we were so broke. Mm-hmm. At some point I found, uh, I went to a phone box and I found a wallet oh that somebody had left. And it was just filled with money and, uh, you know, ID and driver's yeah. license. And 
And I was struck by this immense feeling of being like doing the right thing. And I yeah. went and returned it to like a lost and found. Yeah. Oh, and then afterwards, yeah. I was like, oh, man, I, I bet the guy at the lost and found pocketed the cash. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure how that story is going to finish there. But like, you, I'm glad that you're so nice. But also, it's one of these things where it's kind of like, yeah, you do feel a bit dodgy for taking it, to be fair. Yeah, but uh... I really wanted to steal the money. <laughs> that's, that's the point. That's the takeaway. But I didn't. <laughs> uh, but also, it's something we haven't really discussed much in this podcast, but it's a thing that happens at every festival is that they have a green initiative where if you return the cups you get a certain amount of money back it, i think yeah. it's a frankly a large amount of cups to return per money back because uh, they don't give you much money for it but yeah. i've seen i see a lot of people who spend the whole of their weekend the same instead of watching bands just kind of like i need to save money for a beer and <laughs> yeah they're just kind of they kind of move your feet out of the way during the mosh pit and like right get let's get these cups under uh, and they get like <laughs> stacks of them up to the sky as well then <laughs> they do it all for one like warm beer as well as like mate, just just go and watch a band it's fine yeah and i when i went there again two years later i had money i had like been working for a while then and that was just terrible because i could just drink non-stop oh yes so yeah. so i blacked out for like most of bjork's performance which is like the pride of iceland yeah. <laughs> watching. i, I that... do remember watching seguros but uh i i completely <laughs> blacked out because I'd she was on so late in the evening and I had yeah. I had been able to buy so much beer well that's the thing because like it's quite hard to do moderation at a festival because if you start drinking uh, particularly at British festivals you start drinking at 11 o'clock and you just drink for the whole day and people get very drunk so uh it, it is a a balancing act for sure it is I met a, I met my cousin uh, again at that festival and he had his friends with him there and they sat there drinking at the beer tent and they had this program with them. And then they said like, okay, which band are we going to miss next? Because they never <laughs> went they never went anywhere. They just stayed in the beer tent. One of my flatmates a long time ago, um, he, he really loved music as well. And uh, he, he liked a slightly different type of music to me, but he went to go and see a lot of bands, uh, but he would get really drunk at all of them. And I would make a point not to get too drunk at shows because I really every show I went to really meant a lot to me so uh, I really thought it was important to, to remember it all I would have a beer or two but not I wouldn't get wasted uh, that's uh yeah. the only time I got wasted was at a Kaiser Chief gig at Margate uh in Kent which was a rough gig and I was uh, almost stuck in the taxi on the way home uh and but and uh, uh, but that's not the that's not the story I want to tell today but like um I remember him telling me the story about him going to Arcade Fire with his sister and he was like oh play Rococo play Rococo and his sister was really embarrassed like like Matt, they just played that five songs ago. Can't you remember? He was so drunk that he couldn't remember it happening. And it was. I was like, oh, bless you. <laughs> oh, do Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect time to uh, go and set up camp for your festival. Yes. Hello, welcome to season three of Castival. Great to have you back. If you like what we do, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write us a little kind review. Also, why don't you share our podcast? Tell a friend about it. Word of mouth really helps spread the world, so please help us do that. Why don't you tweet us at Castival Podcasts and drop me a follow at Matt House Comedy. Why don't you watch me on Twitch at Matt House Comedy? If you like sci-fi books, why don't you buy my book called Purify from www.matthousecomedy.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Cheers. Cheers.
Festival, if you can hear me, I want you to sing along. Go for it. One more time. What is the name of your festival? Um, <laughs> well, I hadn't even prepared that. Um, it's quite okay. Well, there, there was there was a comedy festival, I believe, uh, founded by a guy called, I think his name was Eugene Merman. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, and I think he just called the festival the Eugene Merman Festival. Yeah. I think I'm just going to go for the same trick. I'm just going to call it the Aria Eltiot Music Festival. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, straight down the, the, the line there. I thought you were going to call it the Eugene Merman Festival Music Festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I come up with a better title mid-show, is that okay? It, yeah, that's... We, we can change stuff around. Yeah, okay. there's got to be a pun there somewhere. We'll let it ruminate and we'll figure it out as we go we'll along. We'll fix it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So whereabouts geographically would you like your festival to be? You would like it to be in the uh, highlands of Iceland. Oh my God, lovely. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, tell me more about the highlands of Iceland and why is that the best place to have a music festival? Well, it's a, it's a, barren, it's a barren wasteland and uh, <laughs> nobody's done a music festival really there. So uh, I think it would be quite unique. It would also be really diff- difficult uh, logistically. It, it yeah. might possibly become one of those festivals that is such a failure that uh, they wind up making a very successful documentary about it on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, so instead of Fire Festival, you would have Ice Festival. So that, yeah, like so, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the Fire Iron Festival, because that is that is what my name means. Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah the Fire actually... Iron Festival. Let's just call it the Fire Iron Festival. Yes, I like it. We're setting up to fail straight away. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so it's, so it's going to be a festival that's going to be very difficult to produce. Um, yeah. <laughs> hardly any roads that are going to be there. Uh, the weather is going to be dodgy as hell. Uh, the only real month we could do this is July, when you do have 24-hour daylight. But because it's so high up, uh, it could be freezing cold still. Okay, you're really selling it to me right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> there's no roads, it's going to be freezing, and uh, this, it could be logistically tough. <laughs> it's, a, it's, you know, it's, you know what it could be? You know how there's some like extreme sports which people sign up for? It could be part of that, right? It could be like, oh, if, if you can make it to this festival, you can be part of it. But it's like, it's mostly yeah. like a, a wilderness kind of thing. And I think that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a test. Yeah. If you can find your way. I think I would probably like to uh, have it in the east of Iceland because that's as far as from the international airport as possible. <laughs> there, is, there is a great little spot in Iceland called Borgarfjörður Estri, which is like the east Borgarfjörður. And that's, uh, that's where Bell and Sebastian played 15 years ago in a oh, tiny festival. Really? Tiny oh. festival called Brælslan. So this is actually a true story. There is another place called Borgarfjörður, which is just like an hour from Reykjavik, but this one is like eight hours from Reykjavik. And a handful of local hipsters went to the wrong Borgafjörd to see Bell and Sebastian. It was really sad. Oh, no. They, when they arrived, they're like, oh, oh, it's it's the east one. Uh, can we make it in half an hour? No, no, you cannot. <laughs> It'll take you seven hours to drive there. <laughs> I mean, I love the optimism. <laughs> but I thought that was so nice that they went and played that tiny festival and then they just got shit-faced with all the people at the festival because it was so small there was no backstage or anything it's we've all done those comedy shows as well where like uh, it's such a small thing that you know you just go and chat to the crowd afterwards and uh, yeah. you, you just go and hang out with them so 
Exactly. Franz Ferdinand pulled this too when they came to Iceland. They they were at the peak of their fame, but they opted to play for a, a thousand people venue and then a hundred people venue as well. Mm-hmm. So they just did two really small shows. I kind of like it when a band does that because it means that they that they're, they're not precious and they're just happy just to play music and hang out with people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're in the east of Iceland in the Highlands, uh, <laughs> as far away as possible from the airport, <laughs> and. Uh, so without revealing the lineup, uh, how much would you charge per ticket? Well, being Iceland, this would have to be very expensive uh, <laughs> just because of, you know, tax yeah. and the fact that we live on an island and that alcohol is taxed very heavily. So I would say the admission would be 200 pounds. That's not bad. That's we, absolutely, yeah. yeah, that's good. Uh, that's, uh, that's about the price of a normal festival, maybe a bit lower. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty okay. Well, let's uh, say 500 then. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm too naive. Let's say 500 to be on the safe side. Also, you have to earn it. <laughs> they, 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 I love the, how the price changed so fast as well. Like, it was like, you know what? I bet as soon as people get here, it's like, all right, I've got this 500 pounds. And like, no, it's a grand now. Come on, give, give it to me now. <laughs> price just went up <laughs> and if you uh, if you can't afford it then pick up the rest of these cups motherfuckers you know what i mean that, that's what they're gonna be doing <laughs> so uh so 500 pounds but it's temperamentals 500 pounds yes. and okay and i know you don't like camping but will there be camping in the in the highlands of iceland yes there will have to be camping and uh yeah it'll be it, it'll be very uh, very cold in the in the night. <laughs> well, this is the first time where a festival is legitimately quite dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Well, there's been other ones which have been dangerous in different ways, but this is the first time that if you go camping, you might get frostbite during it as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brilliant. So uh, I think it's time to head to uh, your festival, and let's go and talk about some of the acts you have. I want to see that band you hate. I already told. We were too late Now let's go back to the tent Can't really cause it's burning in a field So um, I'm not sure how you've planned your festival, if you, if you have a structure, but um, do you, how many days of your festival do you have? It's going to be, I think it's going to be three days. I think yeah. that's the gold standard for a real festival. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so let's say it's Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Brilliant. So who is the first act on, on your Friday? Who is the first band that's going to give a lot of energy and who's going to be the first band to welcome everyone to your festival? The Fire it's gonna be It's going to be Richie Havens for sure. Richard Richie Havens. Yeah. So who is Richie Havens? The guy who opened Woodstock. Uh, oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, brilliant. I actually, I didn't know that. That's, that's a really good fact. And I don't think, I don't think it was planned that way. I think that he was just there. Um, he, he was on the lineup, but like they hadn't really decided that he should open, but they had problems getting the bands to and from, which I anticipate my festival will have in, 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 in heaps. So uh, they asked Richie to go on and then they asked him to stay on. So he improvised this song called Freedom. And I saw Richie Havens when I lived in London in 2006. 
he came and played the jazz cafe in Camden. I just randomly saw his name and I was like, hang on, that's the guy who opened Woodstock. So I went to see him and he was fantastic. He's passed away, sadly, but that doesn't matter in our festival, right? No, we can no, bend the laws of time. So I would have Richie Havens just strumming on his guitar, like singing, freedom, freedom, because that's my idea of how to open a festival. Yes. Oh, wow. And also, what I love how you planned into it, you planned to, uh, again, you're planning to fail here because you, you, you've got Richie Havens on as a backup. He's like he's like the computer reset because if people can't make it along, which is an inevitability with your festival, <laughs> that, that, there's a lot of lot of vans just stuck, like, covered in snow. Like, it's, <laughs> but Richie Havens like, do one more song. And he's like, yeah. ooh, I got frostbite in my fingers. Ooh, it's hard to play yeah. still. <laughs> but, yeah. He's going to be, he's gonna to be a real trooper <laughs> brilliant um yes uh richie haven that's awesome uh, i'm gonna check out richie haven's afterwards as well check out him doing uh also all along the watchtower oh john brilliant. lennon said about richie haven's uh he man he plays a funky guitar that's what he said about him he plays one funky guitar Awesome. I love I love the quotes and the impressions today. It's been very spot on, mate. Well, I didn't do a John Lennon impression. No, no. Really well. well, he plays plays one funky guitar. No, I can't really do him. You were on the cracks there. It was not bad. It was on. Yeah, was yeah. There. It was. You know, it's you know, it's easier to do Paul McCartney. You know, because he's always you know he's always a bit rewriting history, isn't he? You know, you always forget the bad bits, don't you? You know, you know. I think it's a good album. Yeah, oh, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you for more of those. I, I, I want to hear a Ringo impression afterwards. <laughs> well, you know, Ringo, peace and bloody love. Yeah. That's good. That's not I can that. mainly do Peter Serafinovich doing Ringo. Like, I like music. Bloody music. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> okay. After Richie Havens, if the, uh, yeah, after his, his 11 hour set, uh, how, who is on after Richie Havens? Well, nobody that's friday done because nobody will have arrived richie is just gonna play for 11 hours uh, he's just gonna play freedom for 11 hours uh, in front of a crowd of two <laughs> and that's because everyone is still on their way up to the highlands okay so hold on <laughs> so this is a this is a castable first where we have a the person who's opening is also headlining the first day, but not not because of not necessarily because they want to, just because they're the only one available. Yeah. In fact, they seem to be thirty three percent of the whole festival at the moment. There's only two other people. <laughs> I assume you're one of these other people. Who is yes. who's the other? Am I the other person? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. You and me. Just you and me, no yeah. one else. <laughs> just we're all quite cool. We have to huddle together and just and go. Uh, Freedom. Everyone is still just waiting for like the mountain rescue squad to help them <laughs> uh, climb the slope of death. Yeah, it's it's getting more and more dangerous as we're going along. I bet I'm, I bet we're camped into a, like on on like an ice ridge. If you know what I mean, that'd be great. Uh, yes, we're above the snow line. This yeah. is July, but it's still unseasonably cold. <laughs> Okay, brill. <laughs> Richie Havens. And I like it how he has to play for 11 hours as well. He's like, can I go home? It's like, no. You ha no it's in your contract. Is it? <laughs> we, brought, we brought you back from the dead for a reason, mate. So anyway, so that's the, the quickest Friday we've ever done in our lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is there much of a party atmosphere at your festival? Do you like the big kind of big nights out drinking or is it a bit more chilled out? There is a big party atmosphere. And in fact, you and me are both so drunk by this moment 
uh, that you are screaming at Richie, do freedom. And I'm like, he's been doing it for 11 hours. <laughs> that, that's so good. But yeah, it, it is set up perfectly as a party atmosphere. There, there is a lot of beer tents. There is a lot of staff at hand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, we are the only normal audience, but there's a lot of catering. There's a lot of staff. And, and I mean, it is a pricey ticket, but it does come with, you know, a lot of snacks and a lot of beer. And it's sponsored by a local vodka company. So yeah, we're sorted. Yeah. Lovely. That's good. To be fair, it, it doesn't, it feels less of a festival right now. It just feels like we're just hanging out together, watching our festival. It feels like it, <laughs> it's not really much of a party. It's more of a, um, it feels like more of a documentary at the moment. So like, yes. it, like it feels like one of us is going to die in the mountain. So it's, yeah, be, it's uh... all being filmed for the documentary, which will become much more popular than the festival itself. <laughs> say this is how we make our money we don't make our money from the 500 pound tickets we'll make it from the documentary afterwards yeah, so that's yeah. uh, that's how we're doing it <laughs> okay like woodstock they made yeah. all the money from the f- film uh, people yeah. hardly paid for tickets by the end exactly bloody hippies no i'm joking <laughs> uh, um, okay so um after after uh, richie haven's uh, his legendary set who do we have on for our saturday well, on Saturday, we have a bit of a predicament. Bob Marley is supposed to <gasps> open on Saturday. Amazing. But uh, just like in real life, uh, when he refused to come to Iceland, uh, he, they, they had plans to get him to the Reykjavik Arts Festival in 1976. Mm-hmm. But his management had two stipulations which could not be met. Uh, one was that they could bring in a suitcase that would not be examined by customs. Oh, my God. This was in the contract. You would have to... They would have to have amnesty for one suitcase, which the authorities were not allowing. And then the second stipulation was that he could cancel at the drop of a hat if there was snow. So uh, this legend has it apparently happened. So the the follow-up band, the backup band for Bob Marley at this festival will be, like in real life in 1976, it will be the band Smokey, which... uh, (laughs) which has their hit to living next door to Alice. However, they are going to play the uh, Dutch DJ remix version of it, where every once in a while they stop the song and sing, Alice, who the fuck is Alice? Yes. So, and that's going to be the opening act for Saturday. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> what, um, also, like, firstly, a lot to dive into this, that, that Alice song uh, and the redo of that there, Alice, who the fuck is Alice? My parents <laughs> used to sing that all the time uh, when they get drunk on holidays. That's the kind of vibe it gives off. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but that Bob Marley story is like, is that is ridiculous. Like, imagine being like, okay, we've got this one suitcase, which you know, we all know what's in it. It's Bob Marley. So what's well, like, it, just don't look in here. Like imagine that's kind of that's a high stipulation. Do you know what I mean? Like if it was like yeah. maybe have some available at the festival, that's fine. But to bring her own, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like come on, mate. Like uh, like uh, as a rider, that'd be tough. But like uh, it probably worked. Like uh, they probably analyzed the situation correctly because if they would have arrived in Iceland in the 1970s and said like, do you have any weed? They would have had nothing they were like well we have some hashish which has been imported and diluted 50 times over and we have some alcohol (laughs) yeah and we broke into a ship and we stole some morphine like yeah that is one of the most infamous writer stories ever nick cave apparently when he came to iceland he wanted heroin uh, when he came for the first time but they couldn't find any so they broke into a ship somebody and uh, and they stole some uh, seasickness pills which uh, (laughs) he had to make do with (laughs) <laughs> and uh, j- 
Jerry Lee Lewis apparently came to Iceland too when he was known as the killer in the 1980s. And um, he, had a, he had an agent with him who took him to the hospital and demanded they would inject him with morphine. <laughs> oh my God. But hold on. Imagine you're in Nick cave, right? And you sent someone out to get some heroin in Iceland and they come back going, I haven't got heroin for you, but I do have sea sickness tablets. How me- how annoyed would you be? Like, I want my heroin, goddamn! I don't want to not be sick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what an odd... That's a big dip down. But also, just can I have some heroin, please, before my set? It's, it's a big ask, I would say. Um, I, again, I'm not sure. I don't know if any of this happened in reality. Um, I hope we don't get sued for libel by uh, Nick Cave's lawyers. But uh, uh, this is this is the story on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And on the street, we're selling seasickness tablets. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> um, so um, we have Smokey. Uh, they're doing. Are they doing a full set, or are they just doing that one song? That one song, repeatedly that- for an hour. And every time they try to do another one, everyone goes like, "Alice, do Alice." <laughs> Yeah, yeah ever like play it again. You've already yeah. played it. It's play it again, okay? We're already then- drunk. <laughs> It's going to be like that big train sketch with Ralph McQuarrie doing the streets of London. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. <laughs> he plays like the streets of London. He's being played by, I think, Kevin Eldon. And everyone is like, lovely. All right. Um, okay, guys, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to do a new song now. And the crowd just falls silent and somebody drops their beer. Like, what? <laughs> this one is called Highwaymen. No, streets of London. Streets of London. The Highwaymen. No. Boo. And then he... he Starts yeah. playing Streets of London through mid-song, yeah. and everyone goes like, "Yay!" <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's—I think that's happened for. I might be mi- mixing my facts, but I remember. I think it's Neil Diamond where, um, like, he has to play. If he starts, if he starts with all his bangers, it's a really bad. He has to start with all of his new stuff because as soon as he starts playing his hits, people are like yeah. play it again. And it's like, yeah. you, you have, we've already done that one. It's like, play it again. So it's like, he has to do this whole set twice, really. It's like, oh, okay. Like, and that's depressing. Because imagine, you know, we're both performers. Imagine going out to do new stuff and people are like, do your old stuff. That's good. It's like, oh, God, that's awful to hear. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So after Smokey does that one song, do we? is, uh, is Bob Marley going to make an appearance? Uh, is your stipulations, uh, are they, is he able to make it to the festival? Or are you uh, throwing him off this one time? Not sure. I think like, I think Smokey is just a backup for Bob Marley. No, no, okay. we don't get we don't get Bob Marley on this festival. Sadly, that's that's a shame. I mean, we this do is... get like an Icelandic reggae tribute band called yes! Reggae on Ice, which was very active in the '90s and played like very '90s sounding white reggae. <laughs> oh tracks. God! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and their suitcase is full of uh, forms it's, and it's, seasickness uh, pills. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. The Icelandic ganja. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried this shit? It's really good. Oh, yeah. my tummy feels calmed. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm chasing not a dragon, but chasing some nice night sleep. Um, that's Caffeinated. Nice... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So reggae and I, is that, I think that's a nice. That's a nice touch as well because you can't get Bob Marley. Uh, he's on the, his name's on the posters, but you got reggae and nice who uh, yeah uh, who uh, could be problematic, but it's you know we'll 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 let, we're freezing our tits off at this point. We'll take we'll, we'll take anyone. Uh, uh, so after reggae and nice, uh, who doing all the Bob Marley hits? Who do we have? Uh, next we have Johnny Cash, oh, uh, but this is Johnny Cash. Uh, had he lived on, 
and kept doing American recordings. Mm-hmm. And this is like Rick Rubin has has him down to like up to like American recordings number 20 by this mm-hmm. point. So he's basically just playing what's on the radio at that point in time. Yeah. And he's just covering like Bloodhound Gang, you know. <laughs> he's getting really tired of doing these like the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn. And then he gets tired of it and it just goes, and it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. Bloodhound gang. Oh, I don't like that song. It's sacrilegious. Oh, I don't think they're religious. <laughs> and then, yeah, he... He's doing his best. And then he has to do Britney as well. I'm a slave for you. Uh, I don't think this is a good song either. <laughs> I like Johnny Cash having an existential crisis on stage. <laughs> like, it's, it's, that's what I would pay to see. I would love that. <laughs> there's, uh, I love Johnny Cash. And uh, there's actually a really good um, audio documentary on uh audible called uh false untold uh i can't remember the presenter uh, presenter but it's really well told it's uh, really interesting and it talks about after john johnny's uh, rise to fame in the 50s and then his um before he did Folsom prison live uh how his career took a massive dip and how that took yes. off for him and it's really genuinely fascinating and uh, how yeah. what happened to him afterwards because of that it was really wonderful yeah, yeah, he's like he was he was a has been by the time he did like the prison recording, yeah. which is something we connect with him like as like oh that's his genesis. No, 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 that's like his second or third act even. Fascinating yeah. stuff. Because he at that point he'd been like uh, convicted for like uh, like uh, getting bu- uh, drugs across the border as well. I think he was trying to get morphine to Nick Cave or something like that. I can't remember, <laughs> but like, uh, uh, but uh, but he was like literally. Uh, he was like he'd been in like he uh, he'd been he got some charges. He, his career was at a low, and uh, but then he did Folsom Prison, uh, and he, he did a few prison gigs which people liked. Were raw and rowdy, and uh, yeah. he thought capture that energy. And uh, the record label took a massive punt on him. In fact, you can hear um, he in the second song he swears in it. And yeah. they bleeps it out, and uh, afterwards goes, "How are you feeling about that, Bob?" <laughs> and uh, it goes, uh, and just basically, he's like, Bob took a massive risk. Like he put his career on the line to kind of go. I think this is going to be worth it. And yeah, it's genuinely fascinating. Oh, and, it's uh, such a cool. It's so cool when he does San Quentin as well. Yeah. When he uh, does that line, San Quentin, I hate every inch of you, and the mm-hmm. crowd just goes like, Aah! and you could just hear like the screws, like the mm-hmm. the guards are like. I'm like, order, order. Yeah. <laughs> like they have rifles, you know? Yeah. No, 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 no riot. Enjoy the music. <laughs> and uh, the, also what's great about that is that um, if you don't know, on the final way he finishes uh, Falls in Prison Live is the, um, I think it's a Grey Chapel. Uh, yeah, it's Greystone Chapel. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and that was uh, written by a person called Glenn Shirley, who was in the prison at that time. And a vicar had snuck a recording <laughs> of that song from great uh, Glenn Shirley and it got somehow to Johnny Cash and he learned it in his guitar. Uh, he learned it, um, learned it in his uh, room the night before and he played it to finish off the album. And that's amazing as well. And that Whoa. is genuine. And cause of that, Glenn Shirley had a career, but um, no way. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. 
Wow, I had no idea. Jesus, that's a that's a magnificent thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's it's um it's a really good documentary. It goes further on that as well, but yeah, it's really riveting. So I yeah, yeah. highly recommend it. But I love those I love those albums he did like when he was an old man as well when he's just like doing hurt and. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's a really interesting thing that he did that. Yeah, and I like it because there are stages of Johnny Cash, if you know what I mean. Like as you mentioned earlier, there was the early stage with Ring of Fire, then there was the post Prison Blues, and then obviously later on in his career, he still had those Hurt albums and those American Radio ones. And uh, yeah, it's a different vibe, but it's far more. Yeah, it's it's matured. It, it feels like whiskey at different points. Yeah, you know I mean, it's yeah. like wow, you, you can feel the intensity as well, particularly with yeah. her as well. It's really well done. And uh, yeah, I think Johnny Cash. Uh, he, well, he does get love on Castable, but I I think he's such a legend, and he has cultivated that as well. Um, so after Johnny Cash has a breakdown on stage uh, <laughs> during the two people of us just being there, well, I'm used to going and enjoy something else. No, we're here to enjoy you, Johnny. Now play. Baby, uh, uh, hit me again uh, by Britney. Uh, missed that. Uh, I forgot, forgot what it was called there. <laughs> hit me one more Do time. Baby, hit me again for you. <laughs> oh, baby, baby. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, uh, so, after Johnny Cash, who do you have, mate? Um, by this point, we have uh, people in the audience. Great. We have like about 200 people who have arrived. By snowmobile, yes, uh, and have been saved by the local uh, rescue squad. <laughs> so we're gonna need something that really gets the crowd going. Um, uh, next up, we have the Smiths. Oh my God! Yes, please. Yes, I don't mind a bit of that. Uh, so, is it Reformed Smith or is it Asian yes. Smith? Oh, nice. it's it it's Reformed Smiths, mm-hmm. uh, but they are physically the same as '80s Smiths. Yeah. So it's. Uh, and they also they're they're doing covers now. Uh, they they are doing a Johnny Cash as well, and they yes, they okay. have they have done like a, a vegan cover of Who Let the Dogs Out, <laughs> and, and they have rewritten the song to be like political. And um, and Morrissey uh, sings Who Let the Dogs Out, a most fortunate freeing of this canine being. Who let the dogs out? But then it all goes to shit when uh, Morrissey starts doing his uh, jingles. <laughs> he's done. He's done for um, McDonald's because yeah. he uh, he completely abandons his vegan <laughs> policy mid set, and he does like his commercial jingle for. Uh, Big Mac, la, da, la, and the boy with the salt in his fries, and people just boo him <laughs> off stage, and they're like, "Boo!" McDonald's version of Smiths <laughs> hit the corporate Smiths. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, but also, I kind of love how you totally you. You obviously love the Smiths. You you sound like you literally sound like Morrissey there. But also, <laughs> you have you've been further away from what Morrissey could ever be. <laughs> like, he, firstly, he's a corporate. He's a uh, he's um he's quite accepting to the rules. Uh, and also, he's doing who let the dogs out. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> so, imagine Morrissey doing that. He's really pushed the boat out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah fair, fair play. I mean, they um and Johnny Mars like just good to be back really it's fine yeah yeah johnny's just killing it playing his rickenbacker and uh yeah and noel gallagher is in 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 this in the wings just admiring him 
Yeah. With, with gloves on and uh, just nodding very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. After corporate smiths, who do we have? I think we need to, um, after the corporate smiths, we are going to get uh, Madness. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to get 1979 Madness. Um, they're all really young and they haven't had as many Guinnesses <laughs> as yes. they have now. And um, they're just killing it. They're just playing all their biggest hits. So it's quite upbeat as well. And uh, Madness has got a lot of energy as well. It's like, it's quite upbeat. So are you a big fan of Scar? Yeah. I'm, uh, and I'm especially like a big fan of Madness because that's my first introduction to that world. Mm-hmm. Because I mentioned the Pass Me Down records that we had when I was a kid. Uh, the line of succession is as follows. Kiss, Madness, The Beatles. This is the order you should listen to these uh, bands. So this is for me how music evolved. First there was Kiss, then there was Madness, then there was The Beatles. Now that's a very interesting journey. You started off with some hard rock, went to some ska, like which is, still has a punk element to it for sure. Yes. And yeah. a, a social political message to it. Uh, but then you go to The Beatles as well. So it's kind of a mixture of the two. Do you know what I mean? So you don't get hard rock. Well, you get some hard rock with The Beatles, but you do get that rock vibe with them. Um, so yeah, uh, and that's it. Uh, but I kind of like when music takes you down that cascading journey as well, because it can go in different directions as well. I think that's a... Uh, if you had to recommend one Madness album... Which one would you go, you know, this is the album I love the most? Oh, I don't know the names of the actual albums. Yeah. Um, I mainly know, like, the compilation album we had. Um, there is that one where they're all... Oh, I don't remember the name of it, but... Uh, no worries, no worries. The, the album with baggy trousers, yeah. that would be my... <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm a bit like Alan Partridge here. Like, oh, you like the Beatles? Yes. What's your favourite Beatles album? I'd have to say Best of the Beatles. <laughs> Uh, wing to the band that uh, the Beatles could have been. <laughs> that was the world famous stadium band R E O Speedwag. <laughs> Ari, I think we're going to be really good friends because if you, yeah, if you, so it's <laughs> a good like Alan Partridge quotes. And Jurassic Park, yeah. back of the net, cashback. Wow, you you do a really good impression of thank him, you like thank the, you the hand gestures we're watching each other on zoom yeah yeah <laughs> oh. yeah uh, yeah i uh, i do do my best well i think uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a partridge vibe for sure so um brilliant so after madness uh and it's good i'm glad that you have that connection to to them as well do you feel similarly towards the rest of the bands on your lineup so far do you still have that connection or is madness the one which is really stands out for you no, I, I would say I have less of a connection to Madness than most of the other bands. Um, mm. But I do have an, a certain affection for them because I, I lived in England when I was a kid. And I lived in Camden when I was a student in the film school in London. So, so I lived near the Dublin Castle. Yeah, I just, I just like their vibe. I, yeah, I like, awesome. And, you know, I just like the, the, the pint feeling you get from them. Like, oh, the lad's having a pint. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> There's camaraderie just, there. It's nice. Yeah, and you can just tell how often these these guys have been hung over together. <laughs> and that's a special moment. Um, yeah. Um, so after Madness, is it the headliner, or uh, have you got any more acts on? What's the uh, how many acts have you got left on your Saturday? On the Saturday, um, let's say, uh, let's see. We're gonna just go with 
the headlining act for cool Saturday, which uh, is going to be Iron Maiden. Oh wow! Now this is a very eclectic lineup. We've got Bonola, Reggae, uh, uh, Bob Marley's tribute band, Johnny Cash, Smiths, uh, and Madness, and Iron Maiden, very heavy metals. So tell me more about Iron Maiden. Uh, how much do you love them, and uh, why are they suitable for the Saturday night? Well, I love them a lot, and they are like the fourth band I listened to. Yeah. So, so it's it's <laughs> Kiss, Madness, Beatles, Iron Maiden. That's how it should be, and yeah. that's how it is. Yes. And uh, and I've seen them three times, I think, live. I've seen them in Denmark, in Spain, and I've seen them in Iceland. And they've played Iceland twice. And I went to see them in 2006 when they were just doing their first four albums, mm-hmm. which was fantastic because wow. they did Phantom of the Opera, which is it, it, not even a song. It's a piece. Yeah. It's a concerto. And, um, and a friend of mine, I used to be a flight attendant. Oh, really? I worked for Iceland Air, but around that time... The singer for Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson, who is hyperactive, he, uh, he was working as a commercial pilot for Iceland Express, which was the other airline we had at that point. And he would often be flying just normal low-cost flights from Iceland. He would mm-hmm. be the captain. Yeah. And apparently he would announce himself by saying, like, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain screaming! And uh, <laughs> he really went mad for it. My name is Paul Stanley! Get off the flight, Paul! Come on, get off and stop <laughs> flying, mate! Get out! Get out of here! So, I hear you people like aviation! Yeah, we just call it flying, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it in my book! <laughs> I can't wait to edit this. <laughs> oh, Iron Maiden is just going to play like all of their greatest hits, but only from the first four albums. Okay. So is it just because of uh, that emotional connection or do you think they're a lot better than the rest of them? Or Yeah, I think they're the best. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. To be fair, I know, uh, I'm not sure what the order are in terms of uh, discography, but there are some amazing Maiden albums, like the Two Minutes to Midnight album, I think. Yeah, it's Power Slave. How power? Yes, uh, that was yeah. it. Uh, I think the first one is Iron Maiden, then it's yes. Killers. Uh, and that's from 81. That's the yeah. year I was born. Uh, underappreciated year in music. And then <laughs> yeah. I think it's The Number of the Beast. Yes. And then Peace of Mind in 83. Now let's say Power Slave. The first five albums. Okay. Power Slave as well. Brill. Oh, there's some, you know, there's some absolute uh, belters there. There's a lot to work yeah. with. And uh, yeah, I think that's a... Uh, uh, yeah, and I do feel with Iron Maiden, they are they are always very good. But I remember seeing them at Sonosphere, maybe 2011 or I think, yeah, around that year time. Really got into them, but it's my first time seeing them. And they played a lot of the new stuff, purposely went out of the way to do a lot of the new albums, only a few yes. of the hits. And it was a little bit disappointing because it was kind of like, yes, oh, of course I was, it was. I was kind of like yeah. hoping for some of the old bangers but yeah it's kind of like oh you did brave new world and it is a technical all the new stuff are technically good stuff i just don't have that same feeling towards it same here i i second that completely and uh, uh, there's a band over here in iceland called new dansk new Mm -hmm. danish um Mm -hmm. the title refers to like when bookstores would have new danish magazines in supply new dansk new danish today and uh, Nidansk uh, has a lot of classic songs from the early 90s, but they occasionally release new albums. And they have like a yearly concert where all the people come to hear the old stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're so honest about it. The singer just went like, okay, um, we're going to play two new songs. Okay, we're going to open the show with two new song- songs, and then we're going to play the good old ones. Right? And everyone was like, yay! So the expectations were managed perfectly. Yeah. People knew 
yeah, it's just two songs and then we're just going to go nostalgic. Yeah, that's well, I think that's fine as well. Like I said, it's one of these things where um, with certain bands, like when they play new stuff, it's quite clearly not as good as their old stuff or like it just it, like the mood drops as well. It's kind of like when you, if, if you perform comedy and you go into a new bit which is a little bit under-rehearsed or or like you talk about something which people aren't interested in and it just you can t- you can sense a room just go you know what i mean like you can, <laughs> yeah. and then as soon as uh as soon as they uh that you get into an old song like way you know what i mean like it, it's it's you have to manage those uh, that vibe as well i remember seeing pixies and that happened quite a lot when they, with their new stuff because their yeah. new stuff can be a little bit hit and miss sometimes uh so i remember i saw the pixies in 2004 i believe oh maybe it was 2005 mm-hmm. when they reformed and um and they were I think they toured America and then they went and did a European tour. And as bands often do, they would use Iceland as a stopover mm-hmm. either on the way on the tour of Europe or on the way back home. So we're usually like the first European stop or the last, depending mm-hmm. on what they plan. So there were two sold out shows. People were really excited. But I remember people were feeling a bit like uh, disappointed because... I think they were just like so new to playing again that... Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a bit timid. Well, Pixies always have a very off, um, the standoffish energy. Do you know what I mean? They don't talk to the yeah. crowd very much. And no, they, they didn't talk to the crowd. That was the thing. I remember they, they barely talked to the crowd. And at one point, like, I think Kim uh, Deal went like, how are you guys doing? And people were like, yeah, this is our first time here. Yeah. Anyone here been to the States? Yeah. All right. <laughs> And that was it. Yeah. It <laughs> was no more banter. I remember when Kim Deal left, uh, they had, um, they, they got a brand new uh, bassist in. Uh, they had quite a few other female bassists for a while. And there was one show in Mexico uh, that the bassist was like, you know what? It's absolute banging. She started dancing around and like, bam, bam, like really having a nice yeah. time of it. And they, and, and they fired her. Yeah, they fired her. They're like, oh, that's not, that's not Pixie's energy. It's like, guys, come on. Sorry for enjoying the music that you're playing, you dipshits. But I love the Pixies, by the way, just to clarify. But like, yeah, uh, so, so, do, so do I. Have you seen, like, you've seen, of course, Spinal Tap, but have you seen, like, the, uh, the deleted scenes from it no i haven't actually but i should do on a dvd uh i have they have like a b-roll of deleted scenes which they've cut into sequence and it's just like a film work print really scratchy that they saved and it's just as long as the movie so it's all stuff that got cut out and there's a subplot which got thrown out completely and when um, when nigel leaves the band the guitarist they bring in a substitute who's a young uh handsome guy mm-hmm and there's a big scene where he uh, overstages, like upstages yeah. David, the singer. And it's like literally like getting in his way and like, yeah, playing guitar solos. And he's really sexy and everybody mm-hmm. likes him. And David is really pissed. And then they just fire him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely happened before. Um, yeah. But um, let's head to your Sunday and see who is opening up your day. Uh, we're going to open up uh, our Sunday by having some uh, hip hop. Oh, nice. Who are we going for? We're going to open up with like a lineup of hip hop musicians. We're going to have Mob Deep. Oh, cool. We're going to have Mob Deep doing Shook Ones Part 2. And just that one song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a very expensive booking. Yes. Yeah. So like, we just traveled like. A really long way to get to this festival, which took us a long time to get to this festival from Iceland. The airport's on the other side of the island, mate, and we'd find one song. It's like, well, you know, you can play it, you can play it for an hour if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're gonna 
then we're gonna go straight into Beastie Boys as well. Oh, hello! I love Beastie Boys. They're amazing. Yes, I love Beastie Boys. Great, great booking. We're we're gonna get like Beastie Boys. I think around the time they did Sabotage. So they're like, they're doing their rap songs, but they're also like going back to their punk roots and playing guitar and and drums and bass. Again, another great uh, recommendation, or audio or book-wise, uh, the Beastie Boys book, they talk about yes. the, their genesis and their the, the evolution from that as well. Really fascinating. And also, um, that album, Ill Communication, is the first album they all played. Well, it's the second album they all played instruments on. But uh, yeah. uh, yes, and they, they tried to do something different with each album. Uh, and yeah, so, but they still had that rap, still had that rock, and they had a really good sound with it as well yeah great yeah, album. that that book is just phenomenal i just yeah. listened to the audiobook version of it last so year good. so good uh, and it's so funny that like there's a portion of the book where there's just photos taken by spike jones so yes. for the audiobook they just yes. got him to describe the photos and he goes yep uh yeah it's quite awkward as well it's kind of like yep, yeah i'm just just reading this out i guess <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then he went like he always goes like and uh yeah it's a really good photo it's a yeah. very did i mention this is a really good photo yeah <laughs> that that beastie boys book is phenomenal stuff I recommend it so much on here, but Beastie Boys are so uh, wonderful, and uh, yeah, I love. I would. I would have loved to see them live as well. But uh, I would have loved to see them live. I think after Mix Master Mike joined the yeah. band, the DJ, because I used to be like a, a stay-at-home hip-hop DJ uh, in the really? late nineties. Yeah, I didn't do any gigs, but I practiced a lot. So I, I practiced a lot, scratching and beat juggling, and yeah, and I really liked the song they did, like three MCs and one DJ, because it's just him uh, with one record going like, it's just scratches. Yeah. And to see them doing it live, it's just, oh, it's insane that he did that because mm -hmm. the needle could jump at any point. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's such control. That's the thing with um, Mixmaster Mike and any of those kind of like proper DJ stuff. Like I... I don't know enough about it to appreciate it. Do you know what I mean? Like you can kind of obviously appreciate someone doing a guitar solo because you can hear and see it, but there's a lot more technicality to what he's doing and what yeah. that, what anyone does like that. Uh, that I don't necessarily appreciate it, if you know what I mean. So, but I would love to know more about it. But um, Beastie Boys, uh, are they hopefully they're doing the first four album. Was it first four albums? Was it the Beastie Boys will be doing? Uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do. Bill communication era stuff. Yeah, cool. Nice one. Good shout. And then after Beastie Boys, who do we have? I think we are moving, I think at this point, we're going to go into the Beach Boys. Oh, from Beastie Boys to the Beach Boys. Nice. Yes. Again, you've got a lot of different vibes going on here, but yeah, I like yeah. it. And good vibrations, mostly. Yes, lovely stuff. Uh, um, is that a dog I hear? No, it's just some pet sounds. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, see, that was Alan Partridge for you there. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, thank you. Very good, Matt. <laughs> uh, so Beach Boys are really cool. I, I, um, they, I think they are uh, often overlooked by younger people, but they are phenomenally good as well. So uh, Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, what kind of uh, do you have any stipulations on beach be on Beach Boys, or is it just do whatever you want? I think it's going to be a jaded '70s version of the Beach Boys, where Brian Wilson is barely playing with them anymore. Yeah, but he is joining them for this lineup. But he is he is having troubles. But they are they are just all really rich, and they haven't had a hit in years. But they are banging out the hits mm -hmm. and they're doing like uh, an acoustic version of God only knows and yeah. good vibrations. Okay. Lovely. I love, I love how it's like, like this, 
there's an element of torment there, and, and especially they've had to drive for 15 hours through the snow on a snowmobile, and like, <laughs> I hate you, Brian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> after that, uh, after Beach Boys, who do we have? We are then going to change gears completely and go into The Strokes. Oh, hello. <laughs> some, yeah, I'd say some absolute jarring changes of uh, vibes here. But yeah, Strokes are great. And uh, yeah, so uh, have you always been into The Strokes? Yeah, uh, I think I fell for them hook, line and sinker when they first arrived on the scene. And I think that's because they had this amazing 70s uh, affection. Like their videos were shot on like antiquated video cameras resembling mm -hmm. like the 70s studio TV shows. Like the last night video is, it, I think it's shot on just like, you know, beta or umatic mm -hmm. or something, you know. And um, there was one song with them also where the video was just shot on like hand cranked 16 millimeter film. Mm -hmm. So I just always liked the vintage sound that they have. Yes. And it's instantly a classic sound. Do you know what I mean? It's like a very clean cut. And that album is brilliant as well. And uh, yeah. And uh, I read somewhere that like it got heavy resistance from the, from the record label when they heard the sound that they were going for they were like this sounds like shit mm -hmm. why do the vocals sound so bad the drums are so weak this, this sounds awful now it's like a classic sound yeah absolutely I imagine how much you have to always fight record labels and stuff just to do stuff the right way do you know what i mean it's a uh, yeah interesting so if beach boys are going to be jaded drinking strokes going to be ultra beat but yeah come on everyone because they're famously quite low low key if you know what i mean yeah, I think they're going to be very excited because this is the 2000 era strokes. Okay, so nice. They're, they're just like a few young guys with nothing but a few bucks and hope in their pocket. You know, they're, they're just really, really into it. They have yet to grown to hate each other yet. So I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of vibe you want, the youth of uh, ignorance. I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how many more acts do you have for your festival, Ari? Well, I think I only have one more. I think the, the closing headlining act which is uh, going to be the big one it's going to be a reunited 80s band from iceland that uh, started all of the icelandic music boom really internationally mm -hmm. and that's going to be the legendary band the sugar cubes sugar cubes uh tell you what i've never heard of them but uh, to be fair, i thought you're gonna say richie havens again no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no the sugar cubes were a band that was formed in 1985 or 6 and they went on to become the first Icelandic band to uh, sell a million records. Wow, okay, that's amazing. And, and their single birthday was, I think, selected single of the week, month or year by Melody Maker in 88 or something. So they broke England, basically, and they went yeah. on tour. They opened up for U2 on a tour of America. And they were just a phenomenal group. And they were formed as a joke. Yeah. Uh, they were all like kind of bands that came from like the early 80s kind of you know joy division that kind of atmosphere and they mm -hmm. decided to do like a, a pop group but like a very arty one mm -hmm. this group of course is today mostly known for the fact that one of its two lead singers was uh Björk. yes oh of course see now i know the link yeah 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 so she uh this is the band that made her internationally famous now, now i understand thank you for letting me know that ah, i see so there is a yeah uh, so that that works quite nicely as well yeah uh, it's Björk's old band and i've seen them live i saw them 
they did a one-off uh, reunion gig in 2006. They hadn't played together for like 14 years and they've never played again together. Yeah. So I saw them and they were phenomenal. So that would be my closing band. Uh, that is a band that I'm very, very fond of. And, and their hit song, the most famous song, Birthday, which is available in Icelandic and English. That's like the first Icelandic pop song that really broke internationally. This is a bit of an odd question, but I think it's uh, interesting to act. So I, I, I remember researching a long time ago, like uh, um, of like when a German artist started performing in German for the first time, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of Germans really enjoyed it because they felt they had a connection in the voice. Was hearing Sugar Cubes doing a song in Icelandic quite revolutionary for you? Was, was it significant? No, not really. Uh, they, they mainly performed in English, to be honest, yeah. but like... I do remember, though, that the first album, they did do some tracks in, in Icelandic. And I didn't really understand that Björk has a very special way of singing. So I didn't really understand everything she was saying. Yeah. I was just a kid back then. I didn't really connect with the music when I was like six. But, um, but I would grow on, come on, go on to really love the music and especially Björk's singing. But also the band had another frontman, Einar Örn, mm. who was a very punk rock kind of guy. And... Uh, not everyone's cup of tea because he didn't really sing. He, he more or less screamed or kind of rapped yeah. and played the trumpet. So yeah, oh. very batshit crazy band. That's amazing. Well, you know what? I can't wait to check out Sugar Cubes. And, uh, and when it's my birthday, I'm going to stick on their song as well. It'd be great. Uh, well, well, check out Birthday and uh, check out, like, imagine having to sing it. Uh, it was one of, the, um, one of the official songs of, like, the Icelandic Music Day last mm -hmm. year. So they had, like, festivals and... They had these programs where little school children had to sing like these three songs that were being honored. And one of them was birthday. And I just can't imagine how little kids could sing this song because it's extremely difficult to yeah. sing. And it's, <laughs> it's really only Björk who can sing it. Did it? I've never heard the song, but it, did it sound like, Happy birthday to you! <laughs> <laughs> Give me a B! Give me an I! Give me an R! That's how it is, yeah. Give me a Paul Stanley! <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we, we like you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think it's time, after that amazing festival, to check out some floor fillers. As with event management, things are bound to go wrong. So here are a couple of hypothetical questions that Ari has to deal with in a manner that he sees fit. Oh no, Iron Maiden have cancelled last minute. Who do you get to replace him? Uriah Heep. The guys who did like... He's living. Wonderful. So, uh, someone's running late to your festival, to be fair, uh, and you need to fill for some time. Uh, but fortunately, one of your favorite celebrities is willing to do a DJ set for you. They don't need to be a DJ, but which celebrity would you pick to do a DJ set? Uh, it would be Elton John. 
Oh my god, yes. He's not there to perform, but he can do a G- DJ set for sure. Yeah, just because it would be such a waste to have him perform like as a DJ. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that in your festival. There's a lot of money and there's a lot of waste. Can't wait for documentary <laughs> proof. <laughs> and obviously, you know, Elton John's gonna be a talking head on the on the program as well. So uh, yeah, anyway. Richie Havens acts like a total diva to you. How do you get your revenge? Um, oh, wow. And I, I really didn't see that coming. Apparently, that's the one thing Richie Havens never did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I forced him to play for 11 now. No, wait, I already did that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he's been a bit of a problem to you. <laughs> Uh, I, I forced him to close the show as yes. well on Sunday. <laughs> yes, finish, mate. Yes, that's good. Play um, off the crowd. <laughs> you know, I'd never usually ask this one, but I think because we're in an ice festival, uh, it adds a different context to it. People start setting their tents on fire. How do you put out the fires? You, you don't. Nature takes its course. <laughs> in fact, in all honesty, they're probably better off burning yeah. their tents if they yeah. want to survive the night. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. The Beach Boys and the Beastie Boys hate each other's guts. They're, they're both boys and there's a lot of rivalry. They say that they won't perform if the other band is performing. Uh, who would you pick between the Beach Boys and the Beastie Boys? Uh, I would definitely pick the Beach Boys, uh, but I would force them to do the Beastie Boys material as well. Yes. So Carl, Dennis and Brian would have to do like Ad-Rock, Mike D and MCA's material. Holy shit, that's brilliant. And so they would harmonize like three MCs and one DJ. They don't have to do it like, you know, like God only knows. (laughs) We are intergalactic planetary. Yeah, there's something like that. Intergalactic. Yeah, Yeah. I can see it happening. That's actually, that's actually a genuinely good idea. Beach Boy doing Beastie Boys material. The Beachy Boys. The Beachy Boys. Oh, that is going to happen. That's that's our lovely mashup. And uh, finally, your festival loves you, Ari, and they want you to sing one song at your festival. If you had to pick one song to join an artist on stage to sing, which one would you pick? Uh, I think it would be Smokey, and I would I would be the guy who says Alice. Who the fuck is Alice? Brilliant. And and every time I do it, like the people applaud me massively, yes. <laughs> and I get to do a crowd dive, a yes. crowd surf for every single car. Is like Alice. Who the fuck is Alice? And I jump into the audience and then I have to get back on stage and then I jump into the audience. Yeah, it goes on for three hours as well. So it's it's good. You're very bruised at the end of it. But uh, (laughs) that is the end of Casper. What a legendary way to finish by jumping up into the audience (laughs) saying who the fuck is Alice. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Ari. Uh, Where can people find you online and would you like to plug anything? Uh, Well, you could probably just find me online by Googling uh, Iceland comedy (laughs) ari and you can check out my special pardon my icelandic which will be available on netflix from december 2nd yes uh, and uh yeah follow me on social media i'm not very active there but i do have accounts on instagram twitter and facebook and that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, Ari. Uh, but also, if you want to support Castful, you can check out all the other amazing episodes on Apple and Spotify. Yeah, you can make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating as well. You can also follow us at Castful Podcast, and you can follow me at Madhouse Comedy on Twitter. Yeah, make sure to give us a review. But finally, let's give a massive thank you to my amazing, wonderful guest, Ariel Young. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, buddy. <laughs>